thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareCake comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 445. Is 2022 the year of gaming consolidation? Or is it the metaverse burn pit? Find out today in this episode, recorded live February the 4th, 2022. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. Back to the show. How's that for a clickbaity title, CJ? <laughs> I'm hooked. Tell me. Tell me, I see. <laughs> this is going to be fun. That's going to be a little bit different, but it, it is cloudy, or it is a, a cloudy theme, and it does have Microsoft involved in it. But um, there's been some news going on this past week that I'm looking forward to getting into, talking a little bit about some quarterly reports and then some stuff from Microsoft and how it relates to some news from Facebook. But before we dive into that, how are you doing, my friend? I am well. I am well. Hanging out. About to go, well, I think I've mentioned it before, looking forward to going skiing. We've got midwinter break coming up here with the kids. We're going to go up to Canada to go skiing for a bit. Hey. Looking forward to that and making use of the doom and gloom that is winter up here. (laughs) Nice, nice. We actually finally got some sun and it's... um. Yeah, it's it's back in the uh, it's back in almost eighty degrees. Nice. <laughs> Welcome to Florida. Yeah, you've gone from z- from zero Celsius, I guess, thirty two to eighty. Nice. Yeah, only took us uh, four days. It was uh, it was impressive this time around. But then that's okay right. because this winter storm is crossing the country right now. It's going to slam us uh, over the weekend, and we'll get cold again. Yeah, we have I have folks that are on my team that are getting buried. You know, in air quotes, right? A few feet of snow and things like that expected. So, yeah, it's uh, chilly. Unfortunately, that weather system is coming through right when I'm supposed to be running a half marathon, obviously outside. So it's supposed to be in the low 50s, high 40s with breezy conditions and rain the entire time. Oof, the rain part sucks. The temperature is probably not so bad for running in. Temperature but, uh, perfect. But the rain and the wind, yeah, maybe not. No. and hope it goes it was, well. Well, me too. I was hoping for a PR. I'm realigning my expectations to just thinking positive about a fun experience. How's that? Yeah, totally. No, good call. So what you been up to in the last week? We've got loads of software releases going out at the moment. January has been a busy, busy shipping month and it's sneaking into February. So we've been all hands to the pump getting those releases out. We've got new versions of our simulator software that's gone out, our mobile app stuff that's gone out our business tools that have gone out. And so it's 
it's been just super busy day job, crunching through that stuff and getting it out the door. But it's um yeah, fun to do. This is the high season for indoor golf, by the way. I don't, you know, I'm not no. historically a golfer, so I don't understand these things, but February and March are the biggest months for indoor golf in the US. Well, no shocker, hence winter storm we just talked exactly, about. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, especially in the Northeast. So yeah, this is our busy, busy time when all of our indoor golf centers are using our products and things. So the whole company is really busy. And then you add on to that, you know, supply chain challenges and pandemic challenges and all that sort of stuff. And uh, everybody's running around uh, very busy and, and um, but it's been really good, actually. It's nice to ship some product and, and see the fruits of that labor. So yeah. Very. How about you? What's been going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, see, so I relaunched my personal slash professional site, andrewcall.com over the, over the weekend, uh, gave it a new theme and fresh coat of paint, mm. a lot of SEOs attention. And it looks very similar to my company site, Voitanos. That was intentional so that it's not as much of a pain in the butt to when I try and cross post stuff or when I want to write and I have to think like tailwind versus I have to think like bootstrap. And so I was in between two projects, put my head down for about four or five days, knocked out a theme. And now I'm just going through and doing like lots of, um, lots of stuff. You don't realize that once you've done a rollout like this, like little punch list item things. I'm just knocking out like content related stuff and everything. Makes so sense. got that done. And then I had the, well, I, I, I expect it to be the, my first and my only experience in life. I worked a liquidation sale yesterday. Wild. It was, it was, it, so there's a much longer story to this and I'm going to spare everybody from this. I should probably go back. I'll grab a couple of links and put them in our, in the banter part of our show notes for news articles. People see what's going on, but effectively my, my cousins have 39 years ago, they started an outdoor store. It basically was all, they sold windsurfers over the years. It's migrated from being a windsurfing store to an outdoor store, a skateboarding shop all under one roof. And then it, its current incarnation is much more of like exploring the outdoors. So paddle sports, you've seen those hydrofoils, the big oh, yeah. surfing, yeah. clothing apparel, all that kind of stuff. And they're going out of business. It's not a sad thing. It's not, it's, it's not a bad story. It's not like a, it's funny because REI came to town a couple of years ago and everyone thought they were going to get nailed by REI. Their business just kind of changed to be more in the paddle sports. And that's something that REI doesn't focus as much in. And they've actually excelled really well since REI has come, come to town. So they are, and this is all public information. So I'm not sharing anything too, I'm not sharing anything too personal, but their business has been way up in the last couple of years. I mean, they went from like, I think it was 2.4 million in revenue the year before the pandemic, the year of the pandemic 2020, they went to 3 million. Last year, they went to 3.5 million. And they own their building and their property. And somebody came in and said, here's an offer for your, for your, your building and your property. You just got, yeah. you guys just have to move. And it was too good of an offer to pass up. To say no. Yeah. Gotcha. So they went, they started looking around for other um, new space to stand up. And they were like, everything, nothing is suitable and everything is so expensive mm. with how it is now. And they've been, they've been dealing with like, or what do you call it? Like, so, well, the supply chain issues. They've been dealing, fighting with supply chain stuff from customers and or from sure, vendors yeah. and everything. They just decided, screw it. I think we're good. And they just decided they were going to shut their doors. So yesterday was the first day. We this was news that was public became public over the past weekend. And the last few days they've been closed. 
got ready for a store. And yesterday was the first day of their liquidation sale. So my wife and I went to help out with them, help out and everything. And I don't know anything about their about their, the product. So like my job was to take the security tags off and to fold the clothes and everything the way that with the tags on top so that the people at the register could check them out and get people out the door quick. But we had, I was there for three or four hours and we had a line of people that I couldn't see the end of it. It went to the back of the store. It's a fairly big, fairly big building. But oh my God, I think it was like, there were people that were showing me their phones that they had been in line for an hour and 15 minutes to check out. Wow. And that was like that the entire time we were there. The police wow. were there. They were hired. <laughs> the police were there yeah. and they had, we had to shut people off coming in. It was a, you know, it was a bittersweet thing because it's like, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it is a, they were the epitome and still are of small family owned local business. Right. And they've right. excelled and they've, I mean, they're just, they decided, Hey, it's time to go out on time. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Probably the best way to do it. Yeah. I'm happy for them. For sure. Nice. Yeah. So at any rate, with those two things, we've got a couple topics that we want to touch on here. Before we get into that though, why don't we hear from one of our great sponsors who makes this show possible? And then we will dive into some news in the cloud space. Let's do it. This episode is sponsored by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. And we're back. Okay, CJ, I've been watching some of the, the news that's come out over the last couple weeks. Actually, you know, before we do that, let's do one big, there is one big announcement that came out from Microsoft this past week about their lists yeah. product. It is, so Microsoft has taken their Microsoft lists that has always been, so far has really just been specifically for Microsoft 365 customers and they're bringing it to the personal Microsoft accounts. So that now you don't have to have a work and school account or a Microsoft 365 account. You can now use Microsoft lists as your option here, as your, as your list, way to create lists and make lists. It's in preview. We'll have a link to the show notes here where you can see the announcement. You can learn more about it. This is interesting. I'm curious to see what they do with this. But it to me, just when it comes down to like task management slash list management, this just to me, it, it confuses things even more with what Microsoft is doing. At least to me, it does. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. Yeah, I guess I think about this in two parts. One is why they're doing it. And the second is what they've done. The why they're doing it part, I can see... I can see your point there about, you know, there's lots of task management apps already, lots of lists, management apps, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I question whether, why would somebody choose this over something else? Having said that, when I saw Jeff Tepa, who's been on the show before, tweet about lists and for personal accounts, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to try this experience just to see. And I've never used lists before. Like I haven't used the SharePoint side of it, haven't used it in... 365, never used the mobile app before. So I went and downloaded the app, 
and went to go and sign in thinking, this is the test. Can I sign in? And what's the experience like? And so I opened the app and I didn't have to sign in. It magically picked up my accounts that were connected on my phone from my other office applications, right? So from Outlook that I use because of the whole, is it MCell or I can never remember which library does it on iOS, but how they can share login info between the first party Microsoft apps. Anyway, so I didn't have to sign in. It had my accounts already connected and it worked. Huh. And I know I, I'm, I'm so surprised. I was, no, I am genuinely surprised. And I know that sounds, I'm not trying to be cynical and douchey, but I was like, I was expecting it not to work. Okay. I'll tell you, I'll give you that. Microsoft and auth is notoriously, those two words don't go together well, you know, without right. a swear word added or appended or prepended. Right. Yeah. And so I was kind of expecting like, this is not going to work. Yeah. But sure enough, I signed in and I could create a list and start adding things to it. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like, mm. So, so far, I've only put the app on my phone. I've never seen SharePoint, which I'm quite happy about, right? There's no SharePointisms in the app. It didn't punt me out to some wonky website that I had to go in and do some SharePoint 365 thing. Yeah. I know I sound down on SharePoint, right? But, you know, when you make a consumer app, called Microsoft Lists, the last thing you want, I wanted to see was part of SharePoint rearing its head in this app. Right. So that may be the case all behind the scenes, but the actual front-end experience was quite good. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. Now, whether you'd actually choose this over another Lists app, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But if you are in the Microsoft camp firmly and you want a Lists app, this is actually a pretty good one. I was quite surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised. And now I know that you can go see the web side of it. I'm not as... I'm not as jazzed about that part, but speaking of signing in, if you go to lists.microsoft.com, I think it is something like that, lists.live.com, that will redirect you to the Microsoft site for Microsoft Lists. But if you click sign in, uh, I was getting a 404 before, now it's working. (laughs) Anyway, so now I can see, now I can see lists in the browser and it looks a bit more SharePointy right? Because it signed me into my Office 365 account and all that. Anywho, or into office.com, I should say. It worked. It was quite nice. Hmm. I'm impressed. And you think about this though, they could switch the back end of this out. It doesn't have to be SharePoint. This could be anything at the back end. Like it could be in the future. It happens to be based on SharePoint, which, you know, some would see as a good thing. Some would see as a bad thing, but you know, behind the scenes, they could switch this out for something and you wouldn't notice. I think the thing that just confuses me that gives me trepidation on this. It just kind of like has me like doing a double take. You know, Microsoft has had multiple apps that they've used for, you call it lists, you call it to-do items. I mean, I don't know. You, to me, they're they're very similar. They're just, this, it's a different way to skin it. Microsoft To-Do is an app that was, is built by the old Wonderlist team. It, but it, Wonderlist worked and To-Do is flaky. And yeah. so I look at this and I'm like, why, why? I don't know. I just found it interesting. I'm like you. I've never used... They're the list app in Microsoft 365. I've got other stuff that works. Yeah. So I don't feel like there's much of a reason for me to switch over to a Microsoft solution where they've had a lot of fluidity within this space. And uh, as a theme that we'll see a little bit later, I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to kind of jump onto any like consumer thing that they're that they're yeah. pushing out. Makes sense. So, but anyway, plus you you know if you're serious about it, you want to go pick a best of breed tool. And yeah. fully featured and all of that. And so, 
probably doesn't fall into that camp yet, but it is interesting to see where they're going with it. You know, credit where credit is due, it worked. So mm-hmm. that yeah. was good. Okay. So that's one thing we wanted to cover today. I've got uh, two other things here that I thought are going to be kind of interesting. One of them is, so it's actually three categories of things I want to run through, but it's going to, one of them is kind of ties into into the, the third one. So in the intro, I talked about, you know, is a theme for 2022. Is 2022 going to end up being, you know, the year of gaming consolidation? At least that's the way it seemed at least so far with what we've seen throughout January and just the first few days of February. Early in January, we saw one big move in Jan- on January the 10th, where Take-Two Interactive was going to buy Zynga for $12.7 billion. So Zynga is, well, both Bonville. of those are fairly... Yeah, Farmville. So they're both very <laughs> familiar companies in the gaming space. We talked, I believe it was last episode, we talked about Microsoft's acquisition or two episodes ago of um, of Activision, uh, Blizzard. So that was another huge acquisition. And then this past week, not to be left out, Sony bought Bungie for $3.6 billion. Bungie, which some of the some of our listeners may be familiar with, is the original studio behind the Halo series. Yep. Microsoft then bought Bungie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not going to go into the specifics here, but think of like Microsoft kind of surgically removed Halo from Bungie and then sold Bungie. And so Halo is a Microsoft thing. Yep. And now Bungie is out doing their own thing. Now, what's interesting about it with the Sony purchase is that when I think I was listening to some to another podcast that talked about when you look at the top games on the PlayStation and one of them was destiny and yeah. like a significant percentage of people playing destiny. And so destiny is a bungee thing. And so I think that Sony was a, may have been a bit concerned, but also kind of wanted to say, we need to make sure that we don't lose a huge swath of our user base and let's make this like a Sony property. Now, right. I don't saying that they're going to make it exclusive because Destiny's very popular on, on Xbox as well. But we're just kind of seeing these big acquisitions going on where we've seen, what is that now? $70 billion that Microsoft bought Blizzard, 12.7 for Take-Two buying Zynga, and now 3.6. We're looking at what, 80-ish, 85-ish billion dollars in acquisitions in the gaming industry between some of the big players in the first five weeks of the year. Wow. Yeah. It is suddenly heated up. Mm. You know, it's, I know Microsoft obviously bought Bungie quite a long time ago and then sold it quite a few years ago now, but I think it was three Halo releases until they sold it. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Divested of it. They kept the Halo franchise and the Bungie guys went off and did their own thing again, but it definitely seems to be heating up. And I, I wonder why all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, occurred to me as like, what is it that is suddenly happening that Sony and Microsoft, for example, are taking such interest in this all of a sudden? And I think I go back to what I said about the Blizzard acquisition. Yeah, the Activision Blizzard acquisition, which was about content as king. It's content so far has all been about video content, like Mm -hmm. TV and movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like with Apple TV and HBO and Hulu and Netflix and all of the streaming services, but nobody's cracked the nut on gaming. And gaming is like three times the size of the movie industry, something crazy like that. It's massive. And so, yeah, all of a sudden content is king. Focus has shifted to less about video content and more about interactive and entertainment content as it relates to gaming. 
And suddenly everybody's like, "Uh uh-oh, fear of missing out. I've got to buy stuff too. And so I'd be surprised if Sony's acquisition happened as a result of Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. There was probably rumors floating around for a while in the gaming industry and Sony was in on it. Because you don't just go buy something for six billion or whatever it is without without thinking hard about it for a while. Certainly not two weeks or whatever it's been since the Activision yeah. Blizzard announcement. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's amazing. I'm fascinated by the cloud aspects of this. So much of the stuff is powered by the cloud these days. You know, that was really pioneered with what Microsoft did with Azure and Halo and Xbox Live. Like way back when Xbox Live was in its infancy, Halo was the thing that like really started the cloud push for Microsoft in gaming. This is mm-hmm. before Azure existed. Mm-hmm. You know, Halo required a lot of cloud services running. The most interesting conference talk I've been to while well, when I worked at Microsoft it was an internal tech conference called Tech Ready. I think it was that, called that back then at the mm-hmm. time. But anyway, same thing. And I went to a, I was a bit bored and I had a slot open in my calendar and I went to a architecting Xbox Live presentation where the oh, guy, really like the lead hardware and, and architect, I should say, talked about how they build Xbox Live. And it was absolutely mind-blowing. And at the time, like cloud computing wasn't a thing. And yeah. everybody's talking about putting all this stuff in, up in the Microsoft data center, right? But it was really the beginnings of the first time I really, I guess, was exposed to any sort of cloud computing in a, in a very blatant way like that. And mm. uh, I found it fascinating. But now games rely on this stuff. So yeah. Microsoft's in a perfect position to do things with it. So yeah. anywho. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's definitely very interesting to see, how, to see where this has gone. But um, I mean, yeah, it's... a. Uh, you can't deny that all this is going, what's going on here with the gaming acquisitions and the gaming consolidation. You know, will we continue to see this throughout the year? I don't know. I find, you know, it's just, it's interesting to me because you're right. I wonder what the timing is, why everybody's all of a sudden gotten interested by it. Somebody told me that, oh, you know, that's because that these companies have had their stocks are so inflated right now and they're doing so good and they're trying to go through and buy something in the beginning of the new year, you know, just makes a lot yeah. of sense and use the money that they already have. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, you're buying gaming companies that have also have, have been growing at a ridiculous yeah. rate in the last couple of years because of the pandemic. And so and people have been stuck at home. And so their revenues have gone up. So, I mean, it's not, it's like everybody buying houses in the, the boom of the housing market. Like, yeah, that's great that, you know, you're making all this money on selling your house, but you got to buy something else with it. So you're making all this money on your stock. You're going to buy something else with it. We're buying something inflated. So yeah. I, well, so, think about what else is going on around at the moment. So there's the crypto craze, the yep. NFT craze that goes along with it, and the metaverse craze that's currently going on that doesn't exist, but everybody thinks it's going to be the absolute cat's pants, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. amazing. So when you combine all those three things, NFTs, like right now, it's you know it's a JPEG of a cat, but eventually the thought is that it's going to be, you know, digital goods inside mm-hmm. the metaverse and ownership of digital goods inside the metaverse is going to power all of that. If the metaverse becomes a thing. Facebook's weighed in and going, we're going all in on the metaverse. Mm. And so any entertainment or company, I should say, that wants to have a foot in that space is going to need stuff because the the battle is going to be not who can walk around their lounge with no pants on in the metaverse. It's going to be about what you do in it. And Mm. so when you think about it from that angle, gaming and entertainment is going to be absolutely critical to have the keys to those kingdoms if you want your footprint in the metaverse to be of any value. And so I reckon the strategic powers that be are like, if this metaverse thing takes off and becomes a thing, we are going to need to be a part of it. And so 
we're going to need to participate. And so we need assets that will allow us to do that. So I don't, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't debate that. I don't know how, what I believe, I don't know what, what I think about this whole metaverse thing yet. Uh, personally, of course, I'm also, I also remember saying back in many years ago that I thought that Facebook was like stupid and it would never really take off. I said the same thing about Twitter as well. So I'm not exactly a good Nostradamus predictor on this kind of crap, but it's like, it's the school dance. Everybody's standing on the walls and yeah. nobody's meeting up in the middle yet. I have a hard time jumping, making the jump personally. I have a hard time making the jump and seeing the rest of the world make the jump to the metaverse and being something that is so big and such a big deal that somebody like a Facebook is going to, is going to say like, this is our new, this is who we are now. I can see it being like a subculture kind of a thing, but I can't see like it being the prominent play with it. With that being said, I can see these other companies that have lots of money to burn that are also very big looking at it and going, we can't afford to be caught in a position with our pants down. So we better at least be ready to be, to have a play in this. If there's a play to be made here, we at least don't want to be, you know, in the school dance and having everybody finally, you know, smells like teen spirit finally came on and everyone's out in the mosh pit while there's like three, <laughs> three kids on this corner, like on, on the edge of the wall, like, well, the punch is good. Right. I don't, I get yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. So. It's not mature enough. There's, there's not enough meat on the bone yet for it to make sense. Is it intriguing? Yes. Do I want to get in the metaverse as it looks like right now with Homer Simpson with no pants? No, exactly. You know, it's, okay, so it's funny you say that because let's pivot a little bit because I want to talk a little bit about the metaverse. But before we do that, I, I have to kind of make a transition over to that. It is still quarterly season. We are still seeing quarterly reports coming out. And before we go to the metaverse play, I do want to have one kind of a call out that was just jaw dropping to me. Alphabet, so the parent company of YouTube and Google, they had their quarterly results. And they are like Microsoft, but I think more so to me, they are eye-popping. YouTube's Q2 ad revenue hits a a record $7 billion for the period. That's when everyone's saying that the ad networks are all taking a hit because of like tracking and people aren't spending as much and like in digital advertising because of the security stuff or the, the um, things that, that Google has put in place. Oh, sorry, that, that Apple put in place with iOS. I'm going to get to that in just a minute on how it impacted Facebook. But we're not seeing, when everyone's kind of questioning this, Snapchat says it's affecting them. Facebook says it's affecting them. And then YouTube's like, eh, what ifs? Nah, we're doing okay. <laughs> and, but here's something that I found just I found absolutely fascinating. And this isn't in the article that I'm sharing with you, but it's a, a report that I heard earlier from someone kind of like looking at the numbers and doing some comparisons and being like, hey, you know what? If you look at the last year of Google's growth, so all of 2021, they have created $70 billion in new revenue. Yeah. Coca-Cola is worth $33 billion. <laughs> YouTube last year created two Coca-Colas. Isn't that crazy? But that's I, what I'm getting at about this content craze, <laughs> right? Content is king and YouTube is at the center of that universe. You know? You listen to I don't the same know about podcast you. I listen to. <laughs> I heard that exact same comment. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. no, I haven't. I'm not sure what one that was. Maybe I'll listen to it. But... I don't know about you. I subscribed to YouTube Premium this year, last year, 2021, I think. Do you subscribe to YouTube Premium? No, but I'm about to. I was on the fence for a long time. And then pandemic, Mm. I was like, man, I'm sick of watching YouTube ads. So I pay for premium. 
And the best bit about it is you get to give it to all your kids and your family, right? You get five mm. accounts or something and you never see any ads on YouTube. It's fantastic. Mm. I told myself I was never going to do that. And now I'm looking at it like, you know what? I'm starting to get a lot more content from YouTube than I ever thought I would. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm thinking about, I'm pretty close to just being like, you know, you want to try it? I'm like, you know what? It's worth it. You, you want to know who pushed me over the edge? Hmm. Monday.com. If I ever see another Monday.com ad again, I'm going to punch them in the face. I just repeatedly got Monday.com ads endlessly on YouTube and I was sick to death of them. So that's me and LinkedIn ass. I am so gotcha. sick of that theme song that they keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put me down for Sharegate University with Ben Nylon over, over Monday.com any day of the week, you know. Our friends yeah. at Sharegate, get Ben back on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Hey, okay, so that was the YouTube story. That, that blew me away. Now, another quarterly report came out that is going to lead to my last theme for the day, and that is Facebook or Meta's quarterly report. Now, this was uniformly, I mean, if you listen to, if you read the quarterly report, doesn't look so bad. You look at the analysts and what the reporters say, you're like, holy crap, they did a really good job of putting lipstick on a pig. Mm. And the day after Facebook announced their report, their quarterly report, a couple things that were from the news came out from the different analysts. This is the first time in quarter over quarter, Facebook has lost users. Yeah. And so they looked at it and going like, wait a minute, that's not good. Yep. Yep. When they, this is also the first time that they started talking about future growth of being like three to 6%. And everyone's like, well, that's still pretty good. And like, it's the first time that they will have been below 11%. So people look at this as going, wait a minute, things are changing. So, and then the very next day, the investors saw the same thing and $200 billion in market cap was wiped out when the, the stock closed 25% down. Yeah. Now, Ouchies. yeah, that's a big kick in the pants. Now, here's the part though that where th- other stuff started to unravel. To me, this is where we're looking. The metaverse may be something, right? We just talked about this. It may be something, but I don't see this being something real for almost a decade. And frankly, by then, you and I are going to be in our mid 50s and we're not going to care about the metaverse, right? Right. <laughs> so, right. But with that being said, So get this theme here I'm thinking about, right? Is the metaverse, just throwing it out there, is the metaverse 2020's burn pit? Now, what do I mean by that? 2022's burn pit. 2022's burn pit. Yeah, 2020, no, COVID was 2020's burn pit. So in 2021. So 2022 is that the metaverse burn pit. Now, why do I say that? Facebook, as part of their quarterly report, they... Buried in there, but it simply says that they've burned $10 billion in the last 12 months on their investments with their metaverse. And they're not slowing down. Like their losses are not Mm. slowing down. At the same time, yep. Mm. At the same time, we saw news this week come out that Microsoft is axing HoloLens. Yes. And they're pivoting to saying, we're going to collaborate with Samsung on building a VR, AR headset. This is yep. a whole nother topic for us to, that we could go into for hours, I'm sure, based on how we've kind of railed on HoloLens a bit in the past. But I'm, my, my I want to do that. My 2022 wishes are looking pretty grim. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
well, at least for Microsoft, it is. But Microsoft is like, well, instead, we want to go, we're going to collaborate. And this is all like reports. This is not official reports. This is all coming out of uh, coming out of like insiders and everything. But apparently, it's a complete shit show inside of Microsoft when it comes to HoloLens. The teams that are inside are all pissed off about this, this direction. Apparently, halfway through 2021, they decide they're going to ax HoloLens. There is no HoloLens 3 coming, allegedly. People are really ticked off about it. There are some very notable people who have left Microsoft over this. We all, you remember Don Box? He left Microsoft. He went to Facebook to work on Meta. Another guy, I just forgot the name off the top of my head. He left Microsoft to go over there. When you look at Microsoft's investment over in Metaverse, there was a story a couple of weeks ago from the Wall Street Journal that they've been hemorrhaging employees, that people yeah. are leaving, that are working on Metaverse, and they're all frustrated with their direction. At the same time, we look over at Apple or look over at Facebook and Facebook has over 570 open heads that they're actively recruiting for on the Oculus team. So I guess we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of news about this. I'm seeing a lot of money being spent. I'm seeing, and not just like, when I say a lot of money, I don't mean like a lot of money. I mean like a, holy crap, that's a lot of money. That's three bungees Microsoft or Apple (laughs) burned through on working on the metaverse. Facebook. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I keep screwing that up. Uh, or Meta that burned through. I'm working on, on the metaverse. They're still hiring out the yin yang. They're still spending tons of money on this. And Microsoft seems to be floundering on it. Although they seem to have a decent story late last year when they, when they were talking about mm. the metaverse right after Facebook announced that they were changing their names and that was the big thing. But it still is just very murky. And it seems to me like, well, there, yes, you got to spend money to make money. Yes, you got to make you know serious investments to get to certain places. And yes, they had to make a ton of investments to build all these data centers for the public clouds that we have at AWS and GCP they, and Azure. Are they over pivoting? Is it I mean, well, Facebook? I mean, here's the other thing, too, right? This is part of, I guess, this is a bit of a tangent. Here's a good question for you Facebook says, Hey, we're losing all this money. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing for the privacy stuff that Apple did, they're saying they expect to lose another $10 billion in revenue yeah. next year just over the advertising changes. So yep. people are looking at this going, Facebook says, hey, look, we're all about advertising. And oh, yeah, by the way, we're working on all these changes to affect our advertising models to address the privacy changes that Apple has done. Meanwhile, we're going to lose another $10 billion. Meanwhile, we're going to completely pivot the company and go straight to the metaverse and burn all this money doing it with no vision of revenue in the next immediate term of a couple of years, they're probably not looking at it for almost 10 years. One former Facebook founder was like, he went through this like whole like list of all these topics on it and was like, Hey, is Facebook just RIP right now? Like, yeah, they're just staring. They're not going to see these changes. This could be, this could be the death of them mm. or it could be the best thing that's happened to them yet. And nobody really knows yet. Right. Yeah. But it certainly it, looks like it could go either way. <laughs> oh my God. It, I mean, you can't, they can't buy their way out of this. They can't go do an acquisition because there's no way that's going to be, a, that's going to get approved with, with the news that they've had and the public press and specifically in Washington. The Microsoft move on this is interesting. Like I, I was thinking for a day or so or two, uh, however long it's been now. And I was thinking about the strategy behind this and I was like, Microsoft's never really been that good at consumer hardware. HoloLens pivoted from being a consumer thing to an enterprise thing, which is always a bad sign mm-hmm. for Microsoft. When anything, you know, when they're like, oh crap, this thing didn't work for consumers. Oh, let's see if we can make it an enterprise thing. 
that's not a good sign, right? And then they pivoted to say, let's make it, maybe we can make it a military thing. And then the military is like going, hey, you guys need to go this work on this. This is not ready yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that puts that into, into context, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I can understand them wanting to get out of building a HoloLens. And I can see why the value in partnering with Samsung on hardware for AR and VR is probably a good thing. Because Samsung, Samsung have a lot more experience in building hardware than Microsoft does, like, you know, quite significantly more. Anyway, but I can see Microsoft wanting to have its foot in the door. And so do I think they're going to give up on their whole, you know, Homer Simpson with no pants on thing? No. I think Mesh, they're probably still going to push on that for a while. Do I think it's got a higher chance of success? No. Not when you've got companies like Facebook plowing, you know, 10 or 15 billion into it a year. Microsoft doesn't have that conviction and commitment, I don't think. But do they want to participate in whatever ecosystem that that results in absolutely hell yes. And that's the gaming and the content side of it for sure. And the business side of it, like, you know, meetings and yada, yada, yada. And so I can see them wanting to play in the space, but I wonder if this is a, this is a little bit like, well, all these other companies like Facebook are going to be going all in and let's let them take all the risk on whether this becomes a thing. Mm. And if it doesn't, cool, we've got these massive gaming franchises to fall back on and all of this. And if it does, then we've got the content they're going to need for it. Yeah, so. that's. I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, it, it just there just feels something bubbleish about this right now that just doesn't feel it real. Just, I mean, it it's just like feels too NFT. If yeah, NFTs it, right now are like they're not useful, nobody's figured out the use yet, yeah. and and it's just this: who's got the most money to spend on pixel pictures of apes? And it's it's a gold rush. But nobody knows if there's gold yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's going through and like buying up land and running out west, but then we don't see what they're what they're coming up with yet. I mean, it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's weird right now. It's re- it feels a lot. Like, well, I mean, it's it's similar but not identical to a couple of years ago when it seemed like every Microsoft conference you looked at, well, they were talking about bots, 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 and it's like, yep, craze came. Yeah, okay, that's they good. weren't good enough. They might come back when things are good enough, but they weren't good enough. And yeah. The other thing about this Facebook announcement about the Apple piece in particular that I found really interesting and how it relates to being a software developer is next time you go and import a NuGet package or an NPM package into your project, you're taking a dependency on somebody. Facebook took a dependency on their business on Apple to snoop on, essentially snoop on what you do on the internet, right? And be able to share the results. And since so much of what you do on the internet now is through your phone, Mm. Apple putting in these restrictions about how it can be tracked Messed up their dependency big time. And they took a huge $10 billion dependency, as it turns out, so far mm-hmm. on Apple. And that's uh, come and whacked them firmly in the face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say the vast majority of people out there would be like, yeah, that's probably a good thing. So, except for the people at Facebook. So, yeah, next time you're importing a package into your project, you are taking a dependency on a partner in the yeah. same way. And you've got to weigh those odds. You've got to weigh that, is this worth it versus what's the payoff of having to do this myself? Yeah. And just, I want to just throw, I'm going to push back a little bit on you. Let's just not say NPM package. Let's say any dependency, because that does not exclusive to note. That's a, we can, Go's got that, Dotnet's got that, everybody's got that. Doesn't matter where you get them from, any dependency. Yeah. This is the big thing in software development. Be careful what you take dependencies on. Not in terms of like DLLs, but like other companies, other partner teams, et cetera, et cetera. Dependencies can be your best friend and also your worst. Absolutely. I'm getting excited about our next our next segment here, which is about yeah. picks. So Let's um dive in. Yeah. I forgot what my pick was. I had to go open it up real quick. And apparently the YouTube thing started playing and the speakers were on. So 
<laughs> let's take a list. Let's jump into our picks. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, CJ, do you have a pick for us this week? I do. I have one called North Korea hacked him, so he took down their internet. <laughs> I love this. This is a great story. Have you read this? Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar uh, with the story. This is awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. So, I mean, it's interesting. Um, came out on the 2nd of February. It's on Wired, wired.com. There is a, a hacker from the US. We don't actually know who it is, but he goes by the handle P4X. And he was apparently targeted for a hack by uh, North Korean spies trying to get a bunch of tools that he uses for hacking, which he thwarted. And then it was like, hey, screw you guys. You're attacking the US with these cyber attacks and so forth. He wasn't happy with the official US response or lack of. And so he took matters into his own hands and decided to attack North Korean routers, like internet routers and all, you know, things like the infrastructure, internet infrastructure, let's say that. Yeah. And basically denial of service <laughs> their critical infrastructure and took their internet off, like took all their sites off the internet for a period of time. It's been coming and going apparently. And so he's like, yeah, they're going to do it to me. I'm going to do it to them. And I was just like, wow, okay. Like that's ballsy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One individual going after a state. <laughs> I mean, Kim Jong-un has like killed his uncle. I think it was like poisoned his uncle in an airport. And you're going to take their internet. Like, I mean, okay, I get it. Like, okay, you're anonymous and whatnot. But like, yeah, you're messing with fire there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, it's still a good story, but... It's, it's an interesting for, story, for sure. Thanks for doing it so that we can all be entertained by it, but... Yeah. And uh, giving them some of their own medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. How about you? What do you got for us this week? Remember our, the um, Arecibo Observatory, the radio telescope in Puerto Rico that, that yes. failed? and well, Rip. Yeah. So there is a movie that's coming out about it, about the 57-year journey from the small island of Puerto Rico to the deepest regions of the galaxy with the most powerful telescope. And there is a movie trailer that is, has been published for it. So you can see like a trailer of them building it and the experiences, the, the benefits that we've had from the... Arecibo Observatory. This was published in back in November. I've been sitting on this one for a while until I was, uh, well, until a more pressing pick wasn't available to me, which really was dominated by the James Webb Telescope stuff. But this is really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing this when this, when this is released. Nice. That looks really cool. It's only a two-minute trailer, so it doesn't take long yeah. to watch. But yeah, I'd love to see this doc- doco. It sounds really yeah. good. It'll be interesting. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, good to see you again. Likewise. Do you think it's a burn pit? Do you think it's a metaverse burn pit? Or do you think it's the acquisition, the gaming acquisition? What's the, what's the biggest story so far this year? Man, that's tough. I think the most important is the gaming acquisitions. Same. I agree. I think the metaverse stuff still has a long time to play out. Maybe five more years. I almost find myself rooting against it. I'm that rickety old dude in a rocking chair going, get off my lawn. Like, I don't get it yet, but... There's plenty of advances yet to be made in this area, so time will tell. Agreed. Cool. Well, good. Another good week, man. And I will see you and everybody else in about a week. Yep. See you then. All right. 
Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.